Hey, this is Brad Johnson. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And joining me in the studio today is Canadian musician Barney Bentall, whose new record, The Drifter and the Preacher, is out now. And he's performing at Hughes Room from January 10 through to January 13 with The Way We Feel, a concert celebrating the songs of Gordon Lightfoot. Barney, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. Nice to, nice to be here. I appreciate it. As I said uh, before the show, I'm a fan. Uh, love the old stuff, like the new record. So uh, I appreciate you coming in. Thank you. It's nice to be in this Zen space. Yeah, it's fun. After right? a day of bustle and uh, you know, in and around Toronto and doing press, this is great. I know it's nice and mellow in here. Yeah. 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 So Barney, one thing that I had always noted about you as a fan of yours and and as of, of Canadian music is that you know, even though you're a true blue Canadian musician, and your first record came out, I think in 1988, you didn't really sound like a Canadian musician. And what I mean by that is, you know, the bands of that day, uh, the odds, spirit of the West, the hip almost had this kind of ethos that gave them away as Canadian musicians. But I'd always likened you to, you know, more of a Jackson Brown or like a, like a Greg Kin, more of a rootsy, do you know what I mean? More of a, but that's, that's great. I mean, that's why I think in many ways I, it's it was record company politics back in that day that I think prevented us from having a bigger career in the states. Yeah, and something to live for was the the second most added song when it was released to radio behind Free Fallen. Yeah, Tom Petty and I. I uh, you know, it was just the whole record business was pretty darn political, and we didn't actively try and sound American mm-hmm. or or. You know, I'm so proud to be a Canadian, but I think that there was an element of our sound that that seemed to be fine in that milieu. You know, yeah, yeah, no, it really did. It did not. You know, I most people might not even know you're Canadian, actually. Yeah, but you know what I mean by that? Those bands, you can kind of hear it. There's an ethos, or there's a. Yeah, it's interesting to to see. Uh, I mean, it's funny because good such good friends, the Spirit of the West, the Odds, the Odds are playing on Friday night. I guess with Pursuit of Happiness at Danforth Musical. There's which another is one. Yeah. Kind of interesting. And uh, so I'll definitely catch up with those guys. You're going to bump into them, yeah? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you uh, hang out with any of those guys today? Uh, yeah. Craig, Craig Northy from The Odds yeah. was my guitar te- tech when he started. He, no. When we were, I mean, it was not that we, we weren't all that fancy either, but, you know, like he came and helped. And that's, I've known him for a law such a long time same as spirit of the west i mean those yeah. those guys john mann and my wife went to acting school together and oh wow and you know i when i was working on the first record helping them record it mm-hmm. jeffrey kelly was a trend heavy duty transmission mechanic oh so and craig was our guitar tech yeah, yeah it goes back a long way that's awesome uh so it's been a while 30 years. I know you've, you've done some stuff through the 90s and the 2000s, but what's been going on with you? Oh, God. A life lived. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the music was very intense from 88 to, say, 98. Uh, and then, you know, or right to 2000 when I we bought the working cattle ranch and I decided, you know, when I talk about record company politics, I always had such a good relationship with Sony and mm-hmm. and, and uh, Epic, and then I got caught in a bit of a, a turf war. Um, nothing to do with myself. It was it was all other related other parties that mm-hmm. I was connected to, and then it just got it 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 got very difficult, and and you know some of the people at the record company who 
we'd worked so closely with and loved working with us basically said, you know, this it's, it's, it's criminal what's happening. They're just trying to actively sort of trying to not promote you. So, I mean, there was, there was a few things that happened. I said, well, you know what? It's a, it's, it's, you got one life, uh, ranching, that type of lifestyle appeals to me. And I just thought, I suppose in a certain way, there's an artistic element to the fact or, or the temperament of an art artist where I go, okay, you know what? I'm going to do that. Screw this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw my weight behind that. And, and I did for about six years. I still played, but, but it really, I learned a whole different way of, living and of life and where we ranched it was, it was not a lot of change since the you know for the last hundred years yeah i found that fascinating and then you know in 2006 or so i'd been writing a lot of songs it was jim cuddy that said uh you know let's go make a record you know yeah. come to toronto we'll we'll make it at the studio mm-hmm. blue rodeo would be the band rodeo would be the band and i thought that sounds great that's great yeah and then 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 it started uh you know I sort of a new era for me and uh and it was it was welcome I, I i knew i needed i knew i wanted to do approach things a little bit differently mm-hmm. and approaching things differently has made me so greatly appreciate my work with the legendary hearts so when we play together it's it's you know that that's my band yeah uh but i also needed to express myself in a different way so i think when i came back post ranching it was it was you know i i i came back with a new direction mm-hmm. still music still rock and roll but a little bit rootsier folkier and and uh, i just love the direction that's gone and and you know probably a, a huge change is I, I think after your ranch for a while i i hear sometimes musicians complaining that it's a hard life and yeah the travel is hard etc cetera, etc cetera. You should try try chasing cows for eight <laughs> hours on horseback, you know, and it's minus twenty, and uh, and you know, and go, you know, this is pretty easy life. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it's true. So, are you excited to be uh, to be out again playing? Uh, you know, here in Toronto, and, and I think you're in Collingwood too on the fifteenth, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been out here quite a bit over the last few years, and, and I, I love it. I love the energy of the city, of coming to Toronto. And, and uh, you know, you really you, – you very much realize that this is where it happens. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I remember at a certain time, I, I you know, everybody, record company management thought, well, it would be probably a lot better if we lived out here. Mm-hmm. We were out here all the time. Yeah. And uh, – and, that's what I stepped back from. I mean, ranching was not a good career move. I don't think anybody, uh, it was a good life move, but yeah. not, not, not a good career move. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's always great to be back here playing and yeah. it feels good. And, you know, so far people haven't forgotten. Me. No, God, no. I, I still hear something to live for on the radio yeah. regularly. Oh, I listen to it on the way down here. That, my buddy, Paul Coffey, you know, texted me yesterday. Something to live for is on the, you know, yeah. on, on Q107. Yeah. It's great. I've, I've heard it. Well, I think I, I listened to it today on Spotify, but I've heard it regularly. It's I know. A, it's great. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of songs, you've got songs of your own here. So you've got uh, seven tunes. It's a good variety. 
uh, and reflective of what we were talking about today, you know, that good rootsy kind of uh, organic music. So the first one is by Bob Dylan as Tangled Up in Blue. Well, first thing when I approached this, it was wonderful. And you're like, where yeah. do you stop? Where do you start? I just went, okay, I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not just going to go. I mean, obviously, so you might remind me, there might be songs I'm going, like, how could I leave that out? Yes. Et cetera, et cetera. But I just took the exercise to be, I'm just going to go where my, you know, follow my nose on this yeah, one. Yeah. So Tangled Up in Blue, um, a few years ago with Steve Dawson, the wonderful musician who's now producing in Nashville, he did this series of special nights in in uh, in Vancouver at a club where it was thematically based. So Colin James would do, you know, he'd take some blues artist or, you know, they were really great evenings. And he, Steve calls me and goes, what do you want to do? And before thinking just like this list of songs, mm-hmm. I said, let's do Blood on the Tracks, Giddy Up to the Woe. Let's just do the whole thing. Wow. And he went, okay. And it was what a night. Yeah. Like I mean, the place was packed. Yeah. That that album is so revered and everybody, you know, there was an opening set and then and then I came up there and I said we're going to do this. We're you know, we're going to go in sequence and we're going to do it and we just ripped into Tangled Up in Blue. That's great. And oh, it was it was I you know, maybe it's so special we only did it once because we keep talking about doing it again. Yeah. It was uh, and just flying by the seat of your pants and Drove my wife crazy for the weeks leading up to it, just working on the songs. But that, you know, uh, it's like the line in the, the, the written on my soul. That record was that for me. It was, it just, it, it had such an impact to me. And the way that, the way it started with that song that's, you know, it's sometimes it's in first person, sometimes mm-hmm. it's in third person. And it just, it, it, and it's, yeah. I mean, how could you, you know, she was working in a topless place and I stopped in for a beer. Just kept looking at the side of her face in the spotlight so clear. Later on when the crowd thinned out, I was just about to do the same. She was standing there in the back of my chair said, tell me I don't know your name. It's just you're so drawn into the scene. Yes. The setting of the scene. Uh, yeah. It was just great. Yeah. It's almost like a like an oral movie. You know, Jacob Dylan said about that album he said it's when i listen to it it's like listening to my mom and dad talk oh wow isn't that funny that must be yeah it must be heavy though yeah, oh yeah for him, for him absolutely i, I would, would be, think yeah. that'd be very heavy yeah great record that's cool that you did the whole thing yeah yeah super fun like and that. you know what was really interesting there was uh lily rosemary and the jack of hearts it's about a 10 minute song and i admit to you know like certain times i listen to i just pass that yeah and I even said that to the crowd. I said, you know, but we're going to do it. And it ended up being one of the highlights. Oh, really? Like, because every time the, uh, you would come to the Jack of Hearts, like the whole crowd would shout it out. That's awesome. And, you know, uh, I, I obviously had to have lyric prompts all the way along, but yeah. even though I, I know it, I'll, I'll only need the start of a verse and then I'm gone. Yeah. But man, that was, that was really. That was a surprise. Yeah. And then when it got to the end, like, you know, like people didn't know what to do. Like mm. all of us, nobody knew what to do. <laughs> then so I played some of my old singles, which was kind of fun. And it was, of course, it was, yeah. it was, it was great. And, and then, yeah, it was a good old evening. That's cool. Uh, next, you've got Gordon Lightfoot and Shadows. That's a song I'm going to do tonight. Oh, nice. Over the next four nights. And it's, uh, it, there was a thematic connection because I, I once read it was Bob Dylan's favorite song of 
Gordon Lightfoot's. Mm. And, you know, he's a great admirer of Gordon Lightfoot. Rightly so. I, uh, it's a song about, I, I think, you know, this is a life of reentry into your life. If you, if you travel in the road and you've come back to family, it's never, it's an imperfect science. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the, that's shadows is one of the most eloquent descriptions of, of, of that, that thing that we try and do is, um, entertainers, you know, yeah. let it go, let it happen. Like it happened once before. Yeah. So you're going to be playing that tonight. That's awesome. What else is going to be on the set list? I'm going to do a song. I'm going to do different songs each night, Yeah, which is kind of probably driving the band crazy. But (laughs) I I, I went, I just don't want to choose two because we all do two songs each night. Yeah. I'm going to do a song called Ode to Big Blue. It's a song about whales. Okay. I've never heard it. Yeah. The oceans of the world were the home of Big Blue. It's, it's, uh, it's, It's a really... You know, he he would take on those kind of themes sometimes that were, is about whalers and the decimation of the whales. Yeah. An older song. Wow. Don Quixote. Hmm. It's hard to know all the material in his, his, oh, God, his yeah. catalog. Unbelievable. Wait, so this is, I think Shadow was his 15th record, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, and, uh, and I, I'm, uh, it's going to be interesting playing, playing them with Gort there tonight, you know? Yes. That'd be nerve wracking in a good way. <laughs> All right, next you have Bruce Springsteen and The Rising. Yeah, where do I pick a song from Springsteen? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, I probably would have picked something from Born to Run or Jungle Land or just something like that. But I don't know that I, I wanted to mention that song because I thought that was such an amazing response. I don't know if you described in it was some article where, you know, after, 9-11 happened and some cab driver or something said to him that we need you that's so funny that you say that because someone else on this is like a, i think the 95th episode of this show yeah early on in like episode 12 i had a woman on from virginia and she told that same story really yeah we okay. need you bruce like he, he he rolled his window down they were beside each other on the road and springsteen was driving and uh, he, you know, knocked on the window and Springsteen and he said, Bruce, we need you now. If we've ever needed you, we need you right now. And yeah. Springsteen went off and wrote The Rising, apparently. Okay. See, that's, that's, uh, I, that, and I, and I thought about that after watching Springsteen on Broadway and for him to, uh, I mean, I think the country kind of, the, the America needs him now too. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. he's been, he's been, uh, you know, he's been more political of late and just, really expressing that he's seen stuff in America that he never thought he thought he wouldn't see again. And it's, uh, so I think it's another case where it, it, it so happens that I think after nine 11, the country was more unified in, in terms of, of, of a, a very serious attack on their, whereas now it's, it just seems incredibly divisive, which yeah. is, which is almost a harder thing to battle. Yeah. But, uh, I just thought that it was an amazing, amazing story song and, and a tribute to first responders in a, in an active, you know, kind of cathartic healing for the country. So, yes, but it could have been Springsteen's whole catalog. I mean, you know, I listen to the ghost of Tom Joad a yeah. lot. I mean, that's, that's, that's as poignant as ever right now. Yeah. You know, you a Nebraska fan. Yeah, totally. I yeah. mean, I love listening to, I listened to it the other day and I, just yeah, because I used to work on a Porta studio all the time, the, the cassette 
four track. Yes. Which they he recorded that on and, yeah. and it was uh yeah, it's got it's got that unique sound. I mean, Ghost of Tom Joad is sort of a continuation of that, but with more high fidelity. Yeah. But uh yeah. I'd read somewhere that his label didn't want to put that out. I remember that too. Yeah. He brought the songs to the band. The band liked them. He didn't like the way that it sounded with a full band, and he said, forget it. So he submitted that demo that he recorded in his bedroom, I think, on the Porta Studio. And the label said, no, there's no chance. And he said, uh, I'm putting it out. And they said, we will release it if you promise your next record will be a barnstormer, right? And he said, okay. And that was born in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that neat? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, he man of his word. Yeah. That's that, that's good because, you know, part of me thinks – yeah, there there were those. Part of me thinks like, why why would you care? Just put it out. Yeah, yeah. But but you know they had they had an immense amount of clout. Oh yeah. Sort of as they do now. I mean, you look at those times when there's squabbles with Joni Mitchell because her records weren't commercial enough, and yeah, you know those shit fights with David Geffen and all that stuff. Yeah, and those records are so good. You listen oh, to those God, now. Yeah. Her first nine or ten records. Right up to say Hijira, yeah, are amazing. I know, right? I mean, I'll never understand the decisions that you know record companies make half the time, but yeah. Well, she she takes it to task quite often, like like in those those songs. Uh, uh, you want everything for nothing? I think that's on Night Ride Home, but uh, just it's it, all that stuff about the label. Yeah, you know their misunderstanding of of what she did and. Yeah, a well, free man in Paris, I think, is, is yeah. about Geffen a little Geffen, bit too, yeah. right? Yeah. Tom Petty's next, Barney, with Free Falling, classic. Well, there I went a little bit more, like, again, these are artists, I could pick anything, and I, I just thought, okay, let's face it, it's 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 so killer, it's it's him at his peak of, you know, like a, of a chorus that, such a dashboard thumper. Oh, yeah. I mean is the the songs are often sort of simple in a way that you go, why couldn't I have thought of that? But that's because I'm not Tom Petty. I mean, like you <laughs> a way of, a way of communicating songs and, and the, the lyrics and it's just, it's just a great, I had to pick a Tom Petty song. It's, you know, he's my son, Dustin as the first, first song I taught him was Mary Jane's last dance when he was uh -huh. 13. It was, but you know, you could, you could, and that was, I think that was kind of a throwaway song mm. for the an, an ob obligation, not free falling, but, but Mary, Mary Jane's, Jane's last dance. Really, yeah, yeah. As Devin Cuddy said to me, he goes, and he just shit that thing out, you know, like yeah. that. <laughs> you go, oh, it's it's uh, remarkable. Yeah, uh, the band is next with King Harvest has surely come. Well, the record that that's off was the very first long play record that I got in oh, Calgary. Really? I went down to the mall. Yeah. And because it was their second record, the first was music from Big Pink. Yeah. And that's the one with the brown cover and the, the gray picture on the front. And I really like so many people, you know, everybody from Eric Clapton of the Beatles as they were enamored by this over, you know, in, in England. And I was a kid in uh, just finally saving up enough money to buy a record and, and, and you know, records fascinated me and and i just see this cover and i go these guys are so incredibly cool <laughs> and i gotta you know gotta get this and, and when it when i played it it was you're sort of into this world and this different 
sound that I, I had no way of, uh, you had no way of, the, the, the longer you play or when you're bands and you would start to dissect material in order to play the parts, yeah. you kind of got like, okay, that's a harmony there. That's so-and-so singing and the, this is happening. But back then it was just a sound. Yeah. I, I always remember this from Build Me Up Buttercup. I remember loving hearing that song as a kid. And it was just a sound. Yes. And then this voice leading it, you know, with these, these hooky words. But you didn't know, you didn't know how all it operated, just like you didn't know how women operated. You know, you wanted to know, <laughs> how can we get a handle on that? That's, yeah. that's the next task at hand. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah. And, and so that record, you know, right from across the great divide is, you know, you drop the needle, but what a way to end a, a record and, and, and that, that, that song about, you know, the hardship of, of farming and life and birth of unions and, 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 and it's just got this incredible groove, uh, and then ends with one of the best and understated and powerful guitar solos, yes. I think, in recorded history. Um, and that's the way the ending, cl- the record closes. So, yeah, great pick. Next is Katie Lang with Love Is Everything. Well, I felt like I was definitely female shy. I mean, it's such a, supporter of female artists and and uh i i, I didn't you know i i didn't as this is a sort of twofer right? i mean it's a jane sibbery song and and that's and it's a beautiful beautiful song and i uh i remember i learned it after i've learned this song on piano because it's so captivating it has kind of a key change in it but uh god her singing is is, is astounding yeah i mean it's no wonder it's so revered by Somebody like Tony Bennett or the world over. Yeah. Yeah. At the Olympics with Hallelujah. That was amazing, eh? Yeah. It was fantastic. It was breathtaking, really. Last tune, Barney, the hip, Bob Cajun. Well, there was a whole bunch of, uh, I was going to pick one of Gord Downey's uh, from the Secret Path. I I love that. I listen to that record a lot. Yeah. Uh, It's been very moving for me. Bob Cajun, partly because after Gord passed, Jim and I were doing a bunch. We were doing a bunch of work together, and we we would play it every night. Yeah. And uh, I remember the morning he passed away, or that morning I I went on a radio station in Halifax. You know, just wanted to get up the the bus mm-hmm. tour bus, and you're you know it's seven o'clock in the morning. You hardly get a voice, and I did I did a version of it, which oh, which uh, which you know, like, and then I heard from some of the guys the hip about it. I mean, it actually, it, they, it got played and that one in a way was an honor. And, and, uh, I think it exemplifies, um, cause I was going to put pick scared. Yeah. I can make you scared. Um, there's this element, like sometimes you don't know what the fuck the song's about. Yes. I, I, which, which I, I like and is a mystery. And, um, I think that, but Bob Cajun, I think it, I chose it because it, they really, um, they set a particular bar and it's kind of a continuation from Gordon Lightfoot and Murray McLaughlin and various people, but, but of, of, of celebrating Canada yes. that in, in, a, in a certain way and, uh, celebrating the, the quirky bits of the country. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, the checkerboard. Again, floors. I could, I could go on, I could go on. Yeah. But that's the horseshoe, the horseshoe right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, uh, 
I just, uh, I could go on and on of, of songs, you know, like I say, I just went, I just, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Could have kept going, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Well, the, the hard thing is that, you know, you only get to pick seven. Right? Yeah. So, and that's everybody's kind of lament on the show. Like, yeah, totally. I guess I'm not the first to possibly do this. Yeah. But uh, Ron McLean was on and he said, uh, you know, I'm not happy about any of this. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I've got 40 and I can't possibly like pare that down. And I said, do you have to do four shows? <laughs> so, <laughs> He's such a great music supporter. He's a huge music supporter. I remember supporter. when, Juno, when, you know, he said some touching things sometimes in the broadcast. He likes a song of mine, a man is. Yeah. And he, uh, and sending out a message, he's just really sweet about those. And one time we were doing a Juno Cup and he was, uh, was going to play. And he, uh, he made this, a mixtape to play in the dressing room. All the, he had songs of all the artists that were playing in the Juno Cup. You know, wow. it was really, he just went to that length and that extent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see him doing that, definitely. Yeah. He actually gave me two of his mixtapes that he listened to in the 80s. Oh, really? There was no cases. They were just the actual cassette. And he said, Brent, I don't know what's on these. It says miscellaneous on one of them. And on the other one, it says like 1985 or whatever it is. And he said, I don't have a cassette player anymore. I know that you're a, a cassette fan, so they're yours to keep. Uh, if you ever find out what's on them, love to hear it. And so I went through and I, I actually, Brady, I got my Walkman out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got the old, the so old great. sports Walkman yeah. and, and listened to the cassettes. And it was just, you know, what you'd expect, like the old 80s tunes. Yeah. And and I sent him the transcription of what it was. And he, he, was, he was amazed. He's like, wow, I can't believe you took the time to do that. But he's that kind of a guy. He's that kind of a guy for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's your tunes. Um, what are the chances of you playing a tune for us today? Would yeah, I would that? do that for sure. Awesome. What would you like to hear? I would love to hear something to live for. Okay. Would, would you play that? Yeah, I'll do that. That's yeah, great. Sure. Thank you so much. So that might pick up. Yeah, I'll put it. I'll, I'll, I'll just put it. Uh, That's perfect, right there. Okay. All right. And you're ready, sir. Bobby drives a pickup for a corner store Four bucks an hour and he's hoping for He's 28 years old and he still lives at home Bobby's got ideas but he ain't alone There's a million and Bobby's across this land Everybody's got a real big plan Talks mean street makes more in an hour than 
Bobby in a week He tells the boy he don't waste your time Be useless like your father and nickel and dime There's a million and Bobby's across this land Everybody's got a real big plan He's got something to live for Something so real could have done it if he'd only tried could have been a contender could have been a big guy but he didn't rob a bank or write a hit song he got a raise and he married Yvonne yeah oh Something to live for Something so real He's got something to live for That one Big deal That one sweet deal Oh mama That one sweet deal That one sweet deal Oh, mama, that warm, sweet deal. Yes, thank you so much. You're welcome. That was incredible, Barney. I'm a huge fan of that song. That was a massive highlight yeah. for me. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you sincerely. I really appreciate that. Wow. Sweet. Wow. Okay, Barney Bentall. This has been Brent Jensen and No Sleep Till Subbury with my special guest, Barney Bentall. He'll be playing Hugh's Room tonight, January 10 through January 13. Get his new record, The Drifter and The Preacher, out now. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Wonderful to talk to you. Wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Cheers. All right, till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Subbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.